I said the Lord is good. All right, as we begin our study, let's declare the word of God. Let's start one, two, go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I am being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I am walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work. And I am increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ear to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it is making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus. All right. Amen. Amen. It's refreshing, isn't it? The Lord is good. Let's quickly get into our teaching. That's our prayer. We have been looking at total faith. And we want to continue the issue of total faith. Again, I want us to just start from a particular verse of scripture that we have been reading. Let's just take it again, the book of Mark chapter 11. It's our main text. Let me just, this time around, back up a bit. In verse 12, the Bible says, On the next day, when he had left Bethany, he became hungry. Seeing at a distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if perhaps he will find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not yet the season for figs. Verse 14, he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And the disciples were listening. Now go to verse 20. And as they were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look. The fig tree which you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered, saying to them, Have faith in God. Or literally in Greek, he says, Have the faith of God. The Amplified tried to explain that. He says, the Greek actually says, Have faith in God constantly. And we have been looking at that as the definition for the word, for the expression, the faith of God. And now when I had to explain in verse 23, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, he says it will be granted him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, if you can believe that you have received them, now that's my own expression there, that if you can believe, and it's taken from many things in the scriptures, I believe the Lord Jesus was giving them as a condition. He said, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted you. Now, we're going to stop reading there. That has been our main portion of the scriptures that we have been taking this thing from. Total faith. And we have been looking at what um, this is about. Last time, I wanted to do a small review, but the Holy Spirit took over and said, no, we should go in another direction. And I ended up explaining extensively again why faith is so important and how we must, let me say it again, how we must work pray, study, do whatever we need to do to activate the faith to release our destiny. That God holds us responsible. Let me just really say that for a minute or two. You can't, if God wanted you to achieve great things for him in this life, let's take, because I'm a preacher, it's an easier example for me. As he says, preach all over the world. Broadcast this message, all right, around the globe. Or as a businessman, he says, build businesses so that tens of thousands of people will be... Um, Employed, or he says, as a mother, I want you to raise for me the next generation of generals 
Whatever it is, let me say something to you quickly. Life will always give you reasons why those things will not happen. It is your responsibility to activate faith, to believe God so that those things will come to pass. You will not say, God, if you had made it happen, I will have done it. God says, I want you to ask me for the nations. I will give them to you as an inheritance. Don't just sit down there and say, look, things are difficult. I want you to get up and say, I want this nation. I want Eastern Nigeria. I want the whole of Nigeria. I want West Africa. I want the whole of Africa. I want the whole world. God, give it to me. Like this man, John Knox, was reputed to have said that he would kneel down to pray and say, Lord, give me Scotland or I die. That used to be his prayer. God, give me Scotland or I die. That was a prayer that he prayed constantly. Let me remind us of the meaning of the, of the word grace again. Grace means that God opens the door, you step through it. Grace means that if you put, throw a switch, light fills a place. Grace means that God will do great things. Grace is when Moses takes a rod, spread, stretches the rod over uh, a sea, and the sea parts. That is what grace is. But Paul said, for grace to come, it must be activated by faith. What am I going to say here? If John Knox was going to get Scotland, it was not as if he was going to mount a personal campaign to get Scotland. He was going to activate the getting of Scotland by faith. Are you getting my point? And then God will release grace, all right, on his path, and he will be able to take the whole of Scotland. And that's what he did. Now, I'm trying to emphasize to us that our destiny, we have to work on it, not by, conscious, not by trying to scheme humanly, but by stretching our hearts of faith to believe God. Let me say it again. Believe God for great things. Do you understand? Believe God for great things. If you're a preacher, believe God that this word that you are preaching will reach multitudes. Believe God. Ask him that he will send money in your direction so that you can do what is necessary to do with money. Ask him that he will send technology in your direction so that you can do what technology will do to help you broadcast the gospel. Ask him to send skill in your direction. People that have the understanding of how to deploy technology to help you preach the gospel. Ask him for it. If you're a businessman, you're a businesswoman, the same thing. If they say that this thing cannot be done in Nigeria, everybody's going to China to go and do it. Sit down and say, Lord, give me this thing in Nigeria or I die. Are you getting my point? You begin to ask him for things. Listen, it might take a year, two, three, four, five, ten, maybe twenty, but eventually, if your faith is persistent, if you are walking in patience, grace will be released. Investors will come and they will seek you out. That's what I'm trying to emphasize. That is what I'm emphasizing here, talking about your destiny. Don't just lie down there and say, uh, whatever will be, will be. No, I have realized God is not saying that. God says, you activate things by faith. When you are beginning to activate things, God will give you a higher level of faith than the one you even started out with. I'm going to talk about it today. I hope, I hope I can get there. That faith is a seed. When I say faith is a seed now, it means that if you have small faith, if you use it, God gives you bigger faith. Before you can accomplish anything, God will have to give you the faith. We used to hear those days that, listen, you can't ask God for faith. I was discussing my wife today. I said, no, I don't believe it anymore. I was there and said, people say, eh, you can't ask God for faith. Faith comes by hearing. If you study the word of God, faith will come. It's not like that. You can ask God for faith. I have found out. You can ask God for faith. And I have scriptures for it. You will see, Jesus said, Peter, uh, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you off like wheat. All right? He said, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. His faith was sustained by the prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you getting my point? That's very important. A man came to Jesus. In Mark, that Mark chapter 9, we'll read it again and again. He said that, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. At the point in time, the disciples looked and said to Jesus, increase our faith. And it wasn't that telling them that, listen, eh, no, you can't pray for faith. You have to go and study. <laughs> listen to me. The ability to believe. 
Ah, I was watching TV the other day. In fact, I was angry with them because I was enjoying the program, but they were not finishing it on time. A man was trying to locate where the Garden of Eden was, all right? So I was following it on National Geographic. But after a while, but at the point in time, they, interpre- they interviewed a professor of theology. And I said to myself, God has not granted this man faith for salvation. You see what I'm saying in a moment. Let me say something. I'm not saying that only those who God gives the gifts can be saved. I am saying that if you stretch, all right, God will give you what is lacking. That's why I said, I believe. Help my unbelief. The man was speaking. By the time he finished talking, you think Moses is a forger. That Moses, or Moses was a forger, that he sat down and forged the records of, math, uh, of Genesis down to Deuteronomy. The man was speaking. I said, with all the book this man has studied, he can't even believe. Then the scripture came to my mind again. I realized that God can block people's ears so that they can't believe. Let's, I think we should start from that. All right? Isaiah chapter 6. What I'm trying to emphasize is that we must make faith our object. We must walk towards it. We will pray. That's, all, that's the area I just went into. And say, Lord, the faith to do this, give it to me. And you see what I'm saying in a moment. Let me just say it again, please. Ask God for, for great things. Somebody say amen. amen. Before Isaiah chapter, where did I say? Chapter 6. You can open to Isaiah chapter 6, but put a finger there of your device has multiple windows. Open one Isaiah chapter 6. Quickly, let's go to this other one. This one is um, Psalm 2. Please go to Psalm 2. I want to read something. Somebody say total faith. Oh, this is very important. Because of time, I won't read everything. From verse 1 it says, I'm going to jump many verses, alright? Just want to get it from the beginning. Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? And I described the things that the kings of the earth were deciding amongst themselves. They wanted to rebel against the lordship of the sun. He now said in verse um, 4, He who sits in the heavens laughs, the Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, now listen to this, the Lord said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance, and the very ends of the earth as your possession. Please notice that. This was the Lord speaking. He said, the Lord has said, I am his son. And as part of the things that he was saying to me, he said, Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance, and the very ends of the earth as your possession. Let me digress once again. Further, I will find my way back. <laughs> All right. To explain the principle here. Anything, the Bible says that God gave Jesus as a head of all things to the church. What was he saying? Jesus is a gift of God to the church. What that means is that everything that the Lord, you know, Jesus did like this. All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He said, go therefore. What was he saying? I got the power to empower you to go. I hope you get my point. I got the power. I'm not taking it to heaven. 
I am leaving it for you on the earth so that you can go with it. He said to them simply when he was teaching them, and that's in that book of Luke chapter 10, when he was speaking to them earlier, he said to them that, behold, I give you power. Are you getting my point? Everything that the Lord Jesus got, it was so that he could give to the church. That's what the Bible meant when it was saying that it was given as the head of all things to the church. Please get my concept here. If you hear the Lord say, the Lord said to me, what he was saying, this is a gift that God has given me. I collected it for the church. I don't know whether you're getting my point. It looks like I'm, I'm, I've lost you a bit there. Listen, when the Bible says that he rose again and sat in the heavenly places, what did he say? He said, and we rose together with him, and we are seated where? I can't hear him. We can hear you. No, the emphasis is we are seated with him in heavenly places. The reason why he came down was so that when he will be rising, he will take you with him. Are you getting my point? It's very important you understand that. That's why Jesus died. He said that it pleased God in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. That is, when God wanted to bring you to glory, the Lord Jesus came and went through everything he went through so that in his rising, you will rise up together with him in glory. What's my emphasis? When he says that the Lord said to me, this is a privilege of being a son. Ask of me, and I will give, I will surely give the nations as your inheritance. What he's saying here is this this is the thing I have given to the church. If they understand, if they know, if it becomes clear to them, they will understand that what God is saying is ask of me, and I will give you the very nations of the earth and the ends of the earth as your possession. Please, I'm trying to get into the main thing I'm trying to say. Why am I saying all of this? I want to emphasize to us that when you read this kind of scripture, when it says, ask of me, what was he saying? The Lord Jesus was not talking about himself alone. He's saying that this is where I am bringing the church to. This is what I created for the church to live in. What is he saying? It's very simple. You know, very easy for us to point fingers and look at people and, and wish we were like them. Are you getting my point? For example, you're a businessman. And you hear of people doing business and they're discussing $500 million worth of business. And you do all your, you've been doing business for the last 10 years. All your turnover. Eh? In how many years? In 10 years. They convert them to dollars at today's rate. You don't like to tell us. <laughs> you get my point? This is a natural human response. Just forget this thing. And we just like, that's how God wants it. If God wanted us to, he will have... Yes, there's a little bit of truth to that, but it's, the, it's less than 5% of the truth. If that is your area of calling, if God stirs up that kind of desire in your heart, you know what he says? Ask of me, I will give you the nations as your inheritance. Instead of looking at people and deciding that they are lucky, decide, that, is that the kind of realm I want to operate in? Does it seem fitting to my calling in life and my goal? The kind of calling that I believe that God has called me to, to walk in and the gifts that I have. If that is the case, what do I do? I ask of him. Listen, if you're a preacher, okay, you know because I'm a preacher, so don't mind my examples are very preacherly. Do you understand? When I sit down, maybe I'm sitting down watching TV. You can be hearing revelation, and I also try to hear revelation, all right? But beyond the revelation that they are sharing, sometimes I look at the recording the studio, 
Do you understand my point? I'm looking at the production. And I, I'll just be praying inside. Father God, give me something like this. And believe me, he's been doing it bit by bit. One thing I like is that, now, it's not good to praise yourself, but let me just try small, all right? It's a bit of foolishness when you're praising yourself. But one thing I like about our sound, there's no way I've carried it to radio recording everything that it doesn't come, that they won't say that this is clear. Even with low, that is, low budget. The day I told somebody I recorded in my bedroom, he was surprised. Thought I would go to the studio and pay for recording sessions. No, God gave us the wisdom so that with the little budget we had, we got very clean and clear sound. I've been to places before. See equipment. At the end of the day, I won't buy this tape. Sorry. Something happened. <laughs> said, why should something happen? With this kind of equipment you have? Now, you know what I'm saying? That I just observe things. It, my heart longs for it. I watch TV production. I say, God, I like this. I like this. In the midst of this dollar is expensive, I began to pray again. Say, God, it's not only Omega Channel will be on. We will go to order this thing. This thing has to go around the world. Are you getting my point? And you know the truth? All he says is what? Fight and fight hard. Make connection. Phone people and beg. Is that not so? Look for gimmicks to raise the money. Raise partners. Print flyers and brochures and stuff like that. Was that what he said? What did he say? Ask of me. I was talking with one lady once. She's a preacher. We're just talking about things. Met her when I went to minister in Asaba. And she said something. People were talking about private jets and all of that and stuff like that. So people be calculating how much money it takes to acquire one and how much money it takes to, fund, uh, to run it. She made a statement to me which struck me. He said that, look, that Kenneth Copeland said that you don't need to buy it, you need to believe for it. The thing hit me, bam! Let's not discuss whether you need a private jet or you don't now. But if you end up needing, you know what she said in effect, what the men of God were teaching? That's not about looking for where will I get the money. Ask of me and I will give you the nations as an inheritance. You know what I found out? And that's why we're doing this teaching again. Jesus looked. He said, when I return, will I find faith on the earth? That it is not resources that scarce, it's faith. It's not money that is scarce, it is what? Faith. That people will, you know, stir themselves up to believe. Yesterday and today, I was just thinking. Actually, one of our brothers gave me a testimony during the week. And I said, God. If I go home, I told my wife, oh, Oh, that we will get this spirit of faith and get in a big measure. Faith is what we need. Are you getting my point? Faith, he said, he was sick until one day he just heard the word being taught. And strength came to him and said, no, this is where my salvation is. He had that thing play and play. And, and listen, let me tell you something again I said earlier. Faith is not how I just want to feel. It's a spiritual substance. If it is there, it works. If it's not working, ask yourself, is it there? Ask of me, and I will give you the nations as an inheritance. God is saying, you have struggled enough. You don't ask for things in faith. 
People will ask, but they trust in their labor. You know why God gave you a certificate? Gave you a job? Gave you something? He said, be busy until I show up. But what I will bring is a result of ask of me and I will give you the nations as an inheritance. Let me say to you again. What you are doing today is not where your destiny lies. I said before, all your activities, one, is given to you to keep busy. God doesn't like idleness. Two, in the multitude, you must understand, the multitude of merchandise is what changes your spiritual character. He said concerning Satan, by the multitude of your transactions, you have, missed the, you have filled the midst of thee with violence. That taught me something. The multitude of transactions is supposed to fill your heart with something. So why God gives you the multitude of transactions every day, you go out, you come in, you read, you work, you get a salary, you have money to spend, you get broke, somebody annoys you, is in the midst of this, something must be filling your heart. So what the word of God does is that, that experience, all these experiences are supposed to build up faith and obedience in the heart of the believer. That's why I gave you work, that's why I gave you something to do on a daily basis. But what really is going to be your portion, your destiny? It's not dependent on those things. Those are the places where you qualify, where you build up faith, where you build up integrity, where you build up ability. That's all. Spiritual ability now. Spiritual substance. Like I say all the time, until I got married, I, did not, I thought I knew how to obey God. I didn't know how God felt with disobedience. It was when I got married, I began to understand some things. It was when my wife began to have children that I understood the father heart of God. I hope you are getting my point. Experiences in life, they are supposed to fill us with spiritual substance. A brother told me something yesterday. He said, I'm just thinking about the faithfulness of God. He said, when I first got a job many years ago, I earned a salary. I'd read a lot about the stock market. And I wanted to invest in GT Bank. Because of what he had lent. So he got his money. He said something in him. Of course, we understand it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said to him, what is the issue? You want to invest in... Now, listen to me. He ended up doing um, market investment and all of that. But get this principle. The Holy Spirit told him that, listen, you invest on the earth or you invest in the kingdom. So he thought to himself. He reasoned. And said, it's not time for this physical investment. So the church was going to that time. He took a huge chunk of the money. He gave us as offerings. I can imagine that I gave money around and said, no, I beg my investment is in heaven. He was telling me something. He said, now I look back at the share price of GT Bank then and now. He said, it has gone up between six and seven fold. He said, but my salary has gone up 23 fold. Did you get that? That my salary has gone up 23 fold, but what I wanted to pour money into had gone up six to seven fold. Now, let me just say something, by the way. If I had done that, I'm adding my own words now, I would think I did well. But I won't know that if I kept my eyes focused on something else, I would do much better. Listen. Ask of me. And I will give you the nations as, an inher- as your inheritance. And the very ends of the earth as your possession. With our experiences in life, listen, don't joke with your life running after what unbelievers are running after. 
As we're coming down, I put on, as I entered the car, I put on the radio, which is not very usual with me. And they were playing a song. I woman said, ah, I was singing uh, all this uh, anglicized Yoruba music and all this, um, the band, all those kind of people. <laughs> they were singing something. Well, I you notice a few lines there. He said, ah, I go build house. I go buy land. I go drive motor. That's the song. I just said, foolishness. See, see goal in life. I don't know whether you're getting my point. And I was telling myself, as we were driving down, I said, this is how human beings live. Foolishness. That, and unfortunately, Christians will also make this as a target in life. It's not supposed to be. God gave us activities in life to fill our hearts with a spiritual substance that gives us the ability to take hold of greater things by faith. That's why he gave us activities. So we have to be careful. And, you know, let me digress again. Don't lie to yourself in this life. I found that God cannot help somebody who will be deceiving himself and herself. What do I mean? If in life, why are you like this? You point fingers. It's because they just know you are a proud man. You are a proud woman. You are not going anywhere. Isn't what I'm saying so? Life will let you know that you love money. Life will let, God, no, not life. God will let you know through experiences that you love money. He will let you know through experiences that you are proud. He will let you know through experiences that you are impatient. He will let you know through experiences that your anger, your temper is too hot. He will, these are the things he does for you. He said, these are the reasons why you will not walk into your inheritance. So why did I give you a job in that office where the boss is very tough? I need you to have the cool head to be able to, that is, you should be meek enough to handle a tough boss. And God said, you are going to stay there until I get that point into your thick skull. Otherwise, no inheritance. I have seen people all the time, you know, that's why I said, listen, in life, I, don't want to, I want to try and get back to the main thing I was trying to say. Get, get my point. In life, pride, there are many definitions of pride. I think was it earlier, later last year or earlier this year, I explained a, a particular principle. Pride is once you point fingers, something outside, people outside, for the reason why I'm not doing well. That's pride. Why is my business not doing well? You know I'm in Nigeria. You know God calls you a proud man. Why am I not getting promoted at work? You know it is because my boss hates me. The Bible calls it pride. No matter how clear it looks like to you, you are not allowed to use that as an excuse ever. So what will I say? Why am I not getting promoted? The season is not due. The Lord is still working on me. Leave it like that. Leave it like that. Don't add any other thing. Why are you not being promoted? I told you, the man doesn't like me. Look at my appraiser. I didn't do anything to him. What happened was that day, You know, is that telling stories? You may say, what if it's true? Listen, why did Job lose his goods? Was it not because the Sabians and the other people attacked him? But that's just a physical reason. What I'm saying is, as a child of God, you take your eyes away from the physical reason and go to the higher reason, the spiritual reason. And God says, this is pride. Once you reason on the physical level. For example, what's wrong with our economy? Nigerians still believe it's government. And that thing annoys me. Nigerians believe it's government. It is not government. 
I'm not an ignorant man. If you want to start analysis, Bishop Roque and I this morning were still talking about why the dollar went high against the Naira and why the Naira was falling, what happened to foil, uh, international price of crude. We analyzed it in details. We know what happened to the Chinese economy that reduced demand. We know what reduced demand from the United States and so China stopped buying as much as before. U.S. stopped buying because they started you know, drilling, uh, what they call it, they don't, what they call fracking. They started producing more oil. I know all of that. But that's a physical thing. So I'm not an ignorant man. I know how we're depleting foreign reserves. But listen to me, that is not the real reason. Those are the Sabians that are attacking our flock. Those are the east winds that are collapsing the house on the children of Job. The real reason is spiritual. If you want me to tell you why, there are two reasons why economy is tanking like this for us in Nigeria. There's a church reason and there's a world reason. The world reason is that people are very wicked. <laughs> the spiritual atmosphere of wickedness. But the church reason is because when God was prospering people abundantly, they went to their paneled houses. That's the summary of it. We preached it last year. We were talking about the advance of the kingdom. I'm going to emphasize to us, listen, never ever, in the midst of the economic hardship, if you suffer anything, don't blame Jonathan. Don't blame any government. Some people are already blaming Buhari for why their life is not going anywhere. Forgetting that their lives haven't gone anywhere in six years. Buhari only came here less than a year ago. That is what the Bible calls what? Pride. Beware of pride. Pride is when you're always pointing fingers. We're all used to the pride of, I'm better than everybody. Why is he talking to me like that? I, 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 we are used to that pride. This is the kind of pride many of us are not used to. And that is the one that hurts Christians the most. The pointing of fingers. Back to my message. Why did I go into all of that? To emphasize that, listen, anytime God takes us through experience in life to say, listen, oh boy, oh girl, realize that um, my boy, David, you're a wicked man. Say, no, I'm zealous for the Lord. Look at how I've conquered territories for the people of God. I killed Goliath. God said, David, you're a wicked man. God showed it to him once. I believe <laughs> in the house of Nabal was when the Mashallah first realized the kind of human being he was. He didn't get the point. When he was getting old, God said, listen, let's, get, let's teach this guy a lesson. What lesson is it? Remove the protection that's protecting him from committing adultery. It is not strength that keeps you from sin. It's grace. It is not strength that keeps you from sin. It is grace. Brother David did not understand it. So God said, all right, all right. Okay, the, the grace angels. Goodness, mercy, leave his side for a moment. So goodness moved back. Mercy moved back. Then suddenly. See, when you start seeing things that were not there before. The things didn't just come. You, you don't just I see. <laughs> I don't know what I get to my point. You think anything new, okay? That woman is only looking attractive. She's been working with them for the last six years. Old. It is you that changed, not her. She didn't just show up. 
So the, the guy is now seeing women basing. It's not the woman that's there to base. It is that the protection of grace keeping him from iniquity. That's why Jesus said, pray like this. Deliver us, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from doing evil. That's what he said. What he was saying that lead us not into temptation, but keep us from doing evil. Powerful prayer there. Very powerful prayer. In David's case, the Lord said, well, if that's the way you want it, I've been trying to come, correct you gently. You don't want to listen? Fine. I know the story of Bathsheba. How Bathsheba became pregnant, pregnant, and Raya had to be murdered. Why could God not have kept Raya from being murdered? He could have. But he said, if I do, David would die thinking he's a good man. And the consequence of his sin would not be a blessing on the generations of the earth. Let's kill this guy and kill his descendants. And you must understand the cure of descendants. Let me not go there anyway. Because the cure is not only for David. It's for you and me. The suffering of Job was not only for Job. It was for you and me. There's a principle of descendants. So you know what happened. You know what God was trying to achieve? One thing. Psalm 51. <laughs> God just wanted a man to get to the point And say, have mercy upon me. Because truly, I'm a sinner. Creating me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. That's all the Lord wanted to hear. That was why Nathan came. You know why I'm saying this? God is exposing you to you every day. Without the substance, the spiritual substance inside your, inside your heart being properly built, you do not have the capacity for faith. That's what I'm trying to explain. Faith is not how stubborn-hearted and bold you are. Faith is a spiritual substance which God pours into people who have their hearts properly prepared. That's what I'm emphasize. Faith is not, I've read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I have so much knowledge. Faith is natural. No. Faith is a spiritual substance which God has control of. And he pours into people when their hearts are prepared. My message in this whole series has been on this preparation of heart. So as to build up the capacity to release, to receive the spirit of faith. I used to think faith was, you read plenty. When you have enough scripture in your head, it's a lie. Jesus said it. You said the scriptures thinking that in them you have life. When you said thinking, it was obvious that they were erroneous in the thoughts. He said the scripture themselves don't do anything. He said they testify of me. They should have directed you to me that I am the one that gives life. Life is in the Son. Life is in Christ Jesus. Life is in him and in him alone. He said, what about the scriptures? The scripture is the testimony of the kind of life that is in him. So when you read something, they say, ah, Christ, this one is inside you. That means I'm tapping into that. You cannot use the scripture without Jesus flowing into you. We're talking about life. Life. It's a living substance. It's not about quoting scripture. The scripture is a testimony of the life that is in Christ Jesus. That was why with all the scriptures that the Jews knew, they didn't have life. Because life was in the Son. 
I'm talking about our experiences. God is saying, listen, what I'm building in you is a capacity to receive the life, to receive the spirit of faith. It's not because you memorize scripture. I said we should open somewhere when I began to say this. Let me just, let's read that one. Isaiah chapter 6. For you to see how faith comes and how he does not come. Isaiah was talking about his experience, how he went there. And he saw the glory of God, his robe filling the temple and all of that. In verse 8 he said, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. He said, Now listen to this. Go and tell these people. Keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking, but do not understand. Render the hearts of these people insensitive and their ears dull and their eyes dim. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and return and be healed. Are you following that? God said, I want to judge these people. What's the first judgment? Make them deaf, make them blind, make their hearts uh, insensitive, so that they would not be able to understand truth and return and be healed. What am I going to say here? The ability to understand, which is what faith is, God removed it from the people by the prophesying of Isaiah. By declaring those words, the people became incapable of having faith. That's why I said to you us earlier, that when he came to the Lord Jesus, he first sent John the Baptist ahead, and he told John, go and prepare the hearts of the people. How would they do it? Let them just obey the things that are easy to relate with. Which Isaiah said, which Jeremiah said, which Moses, let's begin with Moses, which Moses taught them the law. Which the prophets have prophesied concerning. He said, let them repent. Baptize them with a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Everyone who listened to John was able to hear Jesus. But the ones that did not listen to John, the word of Isaiah was fulfilled in their case. And Jesus said it. He said, concerning this one, it's been fulfilled. That which was spoken by Isaiah. Keep on listening, but don't perceive. Keep on, you know, looking. Don't understand. Their ears were rendered dull. Why? Because the time of preparation of faith, the people did not participate. Like I said the other day, it's not easy for a man whose family you know to come and tell you, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, what am I emphasizing? I'm emphasizing the point that, listen, with all the difficulty concerning what Jesus came to do, people were able to believe because their hearts were prepared by John. When they obeyed John, now, this is actually the message I was going to. Remember I said that what God is doing all of these things is to prepare our hearts. It is what you can believe for that is going to come into your life. 
I hope you're getting my point. Through your experiences, it's preparing your heart. Your, your relationship between you and your wife is preparing your heart. Between you and your husband, preparing your heart. Between you and your children, preparing your heart. Between you and your boss, preparing your heart. Between you and the bus driver <laughs> that takes you to work, preparing your heart. Between you and your employees, preparing your heart. Your colleagues in the office, he's preparing your heart. Why? He wants to pour a spirit of faith into it. When people did not respond well to John, the words of Isaiah, these negative words were fulfilled in their lives. But it's supposed to be the opposite for us. Anytime you see the word, great faith, let me quickly explain that. That's why I wrote the book, Great Faith Can Be Yours. Anytime you see great faith, it is a fruit. It's not a seed. It means that the seed of faith was sown at a time. I don't know what I heard I said. Okay, that's where I was going, building these things up to. If God is going to do great things for us, it will be because our hearts were prepared and we received that spirit of faith. There was something I was saying earlier. I said that sometimes we talk as if, no, people cannot pray for faith. It's when you just study plenty. You should speak like those people spoke. Lord, increase our faith. When he told them, forgive somebody who offends you seven times. They said, please, increase our faith. That for us to be able to obey this, we need a higher level of operation of faith. A man came to the Lord and said, I believe, help my unbelief. But Jesus said something that time when he said increase our faith. He said, if you have grain, if you have faith as a mustard seed. Now there's something about that I want to just bring out. The fact that he said faith as a mustard seed. The emphasis is on the word seed. Seed. This is my understanding about faith. Every day in life, God gives us the opportunity to plant the seeds of faith. Number one seed of faith is repentance. We've talked about that. Repentance from every defilement that God reveals to you. That's a number one seed of faith. Bishop and I were in my house today and we're talking. <laughs> I said strongholds. You know what they call strongholds? Strongholds are things that hold you strongly. So you can't operate by the word that you have heard. And stronghold is something that God cannot do anything about, no matter how much scripture you hear, until you personally bring it to him and say, Lord, this is my stronghold. Then he breaks it. What do I mean by strongholds? Strongholds are ideas that we hold on to, that are not founded by God, not founded on the word of God, but we hold on to them rigidly. I give you a very simple example. There are strongholds of if I don't go to America, I won't prosper. Preach from now till tomorrow. Eh? The guy has that thing locked in his heart. He may not talk about it, but if it's deep inside there, it inhibits him from receiving the spirit of faith to be able to prosper locally. That's a stronghold. There are strongholds of I must marry a rich man because I don't want to suffer the way my mother suffered. Very common stronghold. And that's one of the major leaders to poverty. <laughs> he said, a man with an evil eye runs after money, but does not know that poverty will come upon him. 
Those are strongholds. There are, there are all kinds of strongholds. If a girl is from this kind of home, I can never marry her. Let me say something about strongholds again. You know, I talked about the seeds of faith. Let me say this one quickly. Everything in life is either a seed of faith or a seed of unbelief. It will either generate faith for you or generate unbelief for you. I'm talking about this capacity to receive the faith to be able to ask God for the nations of the earth. Last week I explained the fact that, listen, you have to activate your destiny by faith. You have to be able to get up and say, listen, all I've been doing all this while is selling phones and repairing phones. I want to move up to the level of which we are the one owning cell sites and controlling phone signals. We want to be the ones manufacturing the phones. The next generation of phones, I have to be involved in manufacturing it. How do you do it? Ask of me. That's all. To be able to get to that point is what I'm discussing. Where when you ask, you are asking in faith. I was talking about strongholds. Serious, serious hindrance to the release of faith. 